let's also pray for the election as we are coming down to the wire, and and uh, it's a very important uh, time, I think, in in the nation that uh, we need to trust God and declare, you know, whoever gets elected president, Jesus remains as king. He is sovereign, and uh, the reigning spirit over our nation is the Holy Spirit. Amen? And uh, we need to confess that and believe that and not give in to fear or uh, worry. Join with me as we pray. Father, we thank You that we can gather together in freedom to worship Your name, to celebrate You, to proclaim Your truth. And Father, we do pray for this nation as we come again to the polls to elect a leader. Father, that You've uh, chosen to uh, establish this country where every individual has a way to influence the government. Lord, the the grand experiment it was called. And Lord, we pray that You would uh, be revealed even in this election. Father, it will take Your wisdom and we trust that you can can lead and you can move the 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 choices of of the masses of the millions and millions of people that go to the poll father we just surrender this into your hands father we pray that each one of us would have the wisdom to vote according to your will and our conscience and that we would stand before you to give answer uh for that vote father we just pray that you would influence our whole nation Lord, that individually we would be good citizens and this community called America would represent the values that You call us to represent. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, yes, we're talking about community and citizenship and I chose this uh, series intentionally because we're approaching the election and and, and so much of the attention of our uh, media and everyone is thinking about these ideas And I want to kind of just discuss what does it mean to live in community? You know, how can we express the kingdom of God values in our community that's so fragmented and divisive? Alright? Last week we, we talked about Jesus representing a counterculture message. And that wherever Christ is preached, when Jesus shows up, He's going to be counter to whatever the predominant culture is. He's going to bring uh, His influence and it's going, to, it's going to reveal the weaknesses or it's going to reveal the error in, in the people that He's around, but it's also going to reveal His righteousness and His values. And we need to represent Christ in our community. That's the big message, the big point. But um, years ago when I was in college, back when, shortly after they invented electricity, <laughs> now it just seems that way. <clears throat> uh, it just reminded me of an experience. It was a, I took a lot of really heavy courses like winter camping. <laughs> so you had to do some phys ed. And like, so I took canoe camping and winter camping. So boom, that was it. Well, it reminded me of an experience. We were winter camping in Michigan. A lot of snow was up north. And there was about 30 of us standing around a campfire in the middle of the night. And uh, it was actually part of a course. We had trained about how to survive in the winter. And, and now we're actually out in the, in the wilderness and uh, uh, survival-type camping. But, but, you know, a bunch of college students standing around a fire. And someone started a game where you'd start a story and then 
each person would add a line to the story. I don't know if you've ever done that. <clears throat> well, as the story progressed, it didn't take long before it became pretty much an R-rated graphic novel. All right? And I'm just watching it devolve into this just horrible... It just gets worse and worse with each person trying to outdo the person in the level of... of uh, you know, R-ratedness, if not X-rated. And, and, you know, and here I am, a rather new Christian. I'd only been a Christian for about a year, maybe a year and a half, probably not much more than that. Uh, but I was, I was pretty zealous and on fire. And I'm, I'm thinking each, each time the story progresses, how am I going to, how, how am I going to use my turn to, to kind of counter or to represent uh, Christ in this, this story that just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And sure enough, it finally gets around to my turn and <clears throat> about two sentences in, everyone begins to mock me and jeer and, and just literally to the point because you know, they knew instantly that I was like, you know, this person realized the mistake they had made and they had, you know, they were stopped sleeping around or doing drugs or whatever they were doing. And I continued. I, I didn't stop, even though they could. They were they were mocking me so much, um, they could hardly uh, hear what I was saying. <clears throat> um, they may not have liked how I tried to clean up the storyline, you know. And I may not have been real successful at uh, convincing any of them, you know, that there was an option. But I'll tell you one thing: if there was anybody in that circle that had experienced some of those things that they told a story about, they would have known that I represented an, a different option. That they could have come, you know, if they'd experienced a pregnancy or, or <clears throat> a, a horrible breakup, or if they'd you know, gotten stoned or drunk or, or used drugs, they would have known afterwards that they could have come to me and I would have had a different end to their story. All right? I don't know how successful it was, but I, I didn't do it in a way that alienated anyone, I don't think, because they all you know, continued to treat me the same. And, and when I cooked uh, uh, pizza on the campfire and I was eating this hot, wonderful uh, campfire pizza and they were all eating frozen trail mix, it didn't stop them from coming and asking for pizza. <clears throat> so it was just an example in my life where I had to represent kingdom values in a group of people that were very antagonistic, that, that represented different values. And, and I chose to be bold and to speak out. And yeah, they did mock me, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Alright? Uh, and we need to represent Jesus. And the word represent really means to represent Jesus Christ and whatever circle of individuals or influence that we have. We need to find ways to introduce Jesus' response and at least give people the opportunity to know that there's options. You know, you don't have to respond the way you've always responded. Jesus Christ offers another option. And I think Christ followers, Christians, should stand out providing a stark contrast to life as usual. You need to stand out. And you can say, oh, that's not my personality. Well, it's Jesus' personality. And Jesus lives in you. 
He's not going to just override your personality, but He wants to use you in your circle of influence to present His kingdom values. And if you don't do it, there may not be anyone else there to do it. We are each and every one of us called to be missionaries into the community that we live. We're actually called to be leaders of our community. And it's important to understand that we're given the chance to vote Really, that's a small thing that we only get to do every couple of years to, to make a very carefully controlled decision between one or two options. That's not the only way you influence community. You need to be influencing community every single day. How? By representing Jesus Christ and the culture and the community and the values that He lived. And not segregating ourselves, right? Not isolating yourselves from those people that hold different values, but finding ways to integrate and infiltrate, if you will. You know, we need to infiltrate the, the, the culture that's around us and make friendships and get relationships with people that are not Christ followers so that we can speak into their lives, so that we can represent a different a different option. And in order to do that, you need to be like Jesus. Jesus didn't have a problem attracting people that were different. Alright? You need to allow Christ to be revealed in your life. We need to become kingdom agents offering kingdom initiatives. You know, because we're called to advance Christ's culture here on earth in Kalamazoo. So how do we do this? And uh, the verse that I felt God put on my heart to share on is from Romans chapter 12, verse 17 uh, through 21. We're going to read through it and then we're just going to talk about each of the verses. Uh, I believe that it has to start at this level, a personal, individual level. Um, and so, in this series, I'm going to talk mostly about what you can do as individuals to influence your community. And I'm not going to talk about you know, politics as much, although we will address some things about citizenship uh, in the coming weeks. Um, Romans 12.17 says, I'm going to read from the New King James, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's interesting that this uh, verse, these verses, precede uh, the chapter 13, which goes into dealing with government. The next chapter talks about government. But Paul, in writing to the church in Rome, precedes that with this strong statement about how to live in a world that's filled with evil. Listen, I really believe in evil. I was thinking about this this morning. There, in America, we're kind of insulated uh, from graphic depictions of evil. You know, sometimes it, we catch it on TV. But there's evil in the world. And as Christians, we need to realize the significance and stand up to the influence of evil. And I'm not talking about uh, just some wacky idea about 
some a conspiracy, uh, uh, you know, fantasy. <clears throat> no, there's an evil leader that's in charge of the world. His name is Satan, right? And, and all of the evidence that people have of conspiracy theories are actually they're just picking up on the real conspiracy in the spiritual realm of Satan and his and his uh, his workers that are leading individuals and, and, and communities and societies into deeper and deeper uh, evil and, and, dis, and fragmenting and, and causing division and corruption in lives. Now, that's the evil that we're fighting against. It's not an individual or, or a political person, but it's the evil that we stand against. So how can we live in a world that's filled with evil and represent Christ? Well, this verse gives us some important, important uh, uh, clues, and one is uh, <clears throat> uh, not repaying, uh, not being overcome by evil, but overcoming evil with good. All right, good citizenship requires good character. All right, in order to be a good citizen, it's not just knowing what's right, and I'm not talking about just in the elected official. All right, in America, if you don't like the government, you're really saying you don't like yourself. Right? Because we're the government. We choose the leaders. That's the whole point. And we've allowed there to be an us and them. Where, when is it going to change? When the people in America change. When we realize that our character is as important as the elected official and we put under the microscope our own lives. Right? And not just the person on the television screen. Are you hearing me? Okay? <clears throat> So, turning, turning the focus back on ourselves. So, it's interesting how similar this exhortation that Paul writes in Romans is to Jesus' words that I shared last week in Matthew 5.44. Read it from New King James. When Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For He makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. So here Jesus is saying, just like Paul, how do you respond to evil? How do you respond to influences in our culture that are completely contrary to the good that Christ represents? Right? It's, a, it's a drastic counterculture message. Let's just look at each part of this uh, verse in Romans. First, verse 17, it says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. In the New Living Translation, it's put this way. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. All right. how, how is your honor level? When people meet you, when they have an interaction with you, afterwards, are they impressed at the level of honor? That's what we want to leave behind. In the uh, Amplified, it says, Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought for what is honest and proper and noble, aiming to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. The message puts it real simply. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. Don't hit back. Think that's easy enough? <clears throat> Can we remember that? Yes? Everybody need coffee this morning? 
Yes. <laughs> Welcome to October. It's like a gray day. I actually enjoyed yesterday. I slept. I took a nap. So, <clears throat> don't hit back. Sounds pretty simple. But is it really? It's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. So the natural response, what's being contrasted here is a natural response uh, contrasted with a supernatural response. The natural response is when you encounter evil, someone does harm to you, someone does harm to your family, someone represents a system or a policy that you see is ultimately going to be destructive to your finances, your peace, or even your, your personal safety. Your reaction is... You hit back. You slam them. You you point out everything about them that's wrong. All right, that's the natural response. But Paul and Jesus were not talking about maybe evil evil people, okay? Or perhaps they are they have bad motivations. No, they're talking about people that really want to kill, steal, and destroy. And how do you respond to them? And so the supernatural takes a supernatural influence to not respond naturally. Where do you get that supernatural power? It's from the Holy Spirit. It's from the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Being in relationship with Jesus Christ. Responding not in the natural, but realizing there's a supernatural. It doesn't mean you give up. Alright? It's not giving up. It's using different different weapons. It's using more powerful weapons. Alright? Because we are agents in this community to change the community. But we have to understand we can't change it using the same weapons and tactics that those that work evil are using. So we have to move into a supernatural response. How you respond to offense reveals what you really believe. How you respond when someone treats you wrong reveals where, where your faith really rests. Does it rest in your, your own power to make it right? Does it rest in, 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 in complaining, in whining, in pity? Or does it rest in the knowledge that you have a sovereign God that will defend you? Right? That will stand up for your rights. Okay? And it, come, it brings into the whole idea of orphan thinking. You know, an orphan has no one that defends them. Uh, you know, real orphans are, are left on the street. I just read uh, last night, <clears throat> I follow the nation of Morocco because I've been there and I, I love the nation and, and I just read articles about it whenever I, they come in the news. And they had a tremendous problem with the amount of abandoned babies. Uh, because in the Islam uh, community, if a woman gets pregnant out of wedlock, they basically, there's no support for them. She's just, I mean, they can be killed just for that. And so they often will have the baby and just leave it on the street, and they die. Uh, 23,000, like 20 some, 24 a day, I think it was. <clears throat> you know, that's horrible. Um, <clears throat> so horrible, I forgot my point. Orphan thinking. These orphans have no one to stand up for them. And so we grow up as spiritual orphans 
thinking there's no one that's going to defend me. I have to defend myself. I have to grab or I have to punch back because there's no one else that I can appeal to. And, and how you respond when someone offends you reveals where your faith is. Alright? And if your faith is in an Almighty God that's going to make it right regardless of how it looks, you can respond peaceably and not, respond, not hit back. Are you interested in real justice or are you really interested in self-preservation? Okay? That determines how you respond. Uh-huh. And this, this applies personally as well as, as in, in, in the bigger picture of community ways. Christ-like behavior is a contrast to, to responding evil for evil. What did He do? In Philippians 2.8, I'm going to read out of the message. It's just a great depiction of what Christ did when He was um, uh, opposed. It says, having become human, He stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, He lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Alright? So Christ gave the example that when everyone turned against Him, He didn't hit back. He didn't claim special privilege, but He, he, he lived selfless to the point of death. and he, Not just death, but a horrible death. Why? Because he was trusting. He was living an example of faith. He was living the example that he said, if you want to follow me, this is how you do it. You live selfless, trusting that the Father will intervene and raise him back up. Alright? Now, <clears throat> it's un- we need to understand that this principle has to apply to all. He says, repay no one. Everybody say no one. Okay, that means nobody. Well, this must not mean your spouse. You know, it's harder to live like this with people you're intimate with than it is for for you to live this way with strangers. Because you know if someone at the store does you wrong, you can be nice to them, but you can walk away. But your spouse or your child or your parent or your sibling, you got to deal with them day in and day out. Right? I challenge you to apply this principle in your personal relationships first. If you can figure out how to live this way with your spouse, with your coworkers, with your siblings, it actually becomes easier to express this type of lifestyle with those that you are not as intimate with. And it becomes real. Alright? It empowers you. Does that make sense? Okay, work this out in your marriage and it will be easier to work this out than everywhere else. Live like this with your children, with your church members. You know, this is a family, a spiritual family. We're mostly people in this room, we're all, look around. We're all kind of similar, aren't we? We're kind of a homogenous. And we're a little different, but you know what? We're all, we're all about the same. But if you have a grudge with somebody else in this church, you're not living Christ-like. And if you can't live Christ-like with someone that's practically just like you, how are you going to live Christ-like with someone that disagrees with some of your basic moral precepts? Are you hearing me? 
How are you going to love them like Christ loved those who tortured Him and hung Him on the cross? I'm trying to tell you, you won't. And you're not. Alright, you need to, there's no room for carrying grudges in the spiritual community called church. Thank you. The one person. My daughter. (laughs) There's no room. You cannot consider yourself a Christ follower if you got a grudge or an offense with someone else in this room or someone else in the faith community or someone else here in your home. That's not following Jesus. That's not laying down your life. I'm talking about community, but I'm saying community has to be applied in the home and in our, in our, in our, in our personal relationships first before we can stand and accuse someone standing uh, uh, for an elected, you know, an uh, elected official or someone behind a, a podium on TV that they're not righteous enough when in reality we're not righteous enough. We want to change our civilization. We want to influence the government. You know where it starts? With your spouse, with your children, with your siblings, with your coworkers, with your members of this church. How is your relationship being revealed in that? Have you segregated yourself from other members so that you can live privately so as not to encounter people that, and, and issues in other people's lives that upset you? That's not Christ-like behavior. That's playing it safe. Right? Because you don't want to get on a cross. How many want to get on a cross? I don't want to get on a cross. That's what Christ says. He says, if you want to follow Me, you've got to pick up the cross. You've got to live this way every day. What I'm saying, if we live this, the whole point of the kingdom is living our family values with everyone equally. Following the example that Jesus said that our Father gave. That He pours out the rain and the sun and the good and the evil. Alright, so if they're not functioning in the family level, we're not going to be able to honestly represent Christ to the world. So get them functioning on your intimate level, but then treat everyone else in the same way. People in the store. People that look different than you. People... Go to places that, that are filled with people that are different than you and treat them like they're family. And just be open to them. Open your heart. And when they say things that offend you, don't react. Smile. Look them in the eye. And say, what do you mean by that? And listen to them. All right. This is how we change a society. By representing Christ in our cultures. It says, have regard for the good things in the sight of all men. The message discover beauty in everyone. And I think there, this can be understood in two ways. <clears throat> this is, I think, a very important way to respond. I want to teach you a practical way to how you can live this. Alright? Uh, in the Amplified, it says, take thought that your words and actions are honorable, aiming to be above reproach. Take thought. Listen, you need to, to think through ahead of time an intended response so that you're ready when someone does something that offends you. Are you hearing me? Hello? Okay. You need to precondition yourself. How do you respond to evil with good? Listen, there's people in your life that you know are going to treat you mean. 
right? Every time you get around them, you know, you both get upset. All right, you need to think through when so-and-so does the thing that they always do, instead of getting uptight and raising my voice, getting snotty, I'm going to say something nice to them. I'm going to compliment them on, on their dress, even if I think they look stupid. <laughs> I'm going to say something nice. You know, and you need to practice it. You need to precondition yourself. You need to think ahead. How can I respond to this person who is, who is so conscious? Every time I bring up anything, they just, they just always are snotty and mean. Okay, this is how I'm going to... And if it doesn't work the first time, then you come back, you prayerfully think, how can I do it again? Why? Because you want to represent Jesus. You have a mission. Your calling is bigger than just, just avoiding that person. You want to influence your community by representing Christ. And, and you know what? <clears throat> I tell this with, with people in their marriage. Because the things your spouse does that irritate you, you know they're going to do them again. Alright? So you need to come up with an idea. Okay, next time this happens, I'm going to do this instead. So that you're ready. So it's an opportunity to bless. Whether it's your spouse, a co-worker, someone on the street, it's an opportunity to bless. And this applies in the election. When someone says something that's contrary to your political opinion, use it as an opportunity. Ask them a question that helps them think through the issue rather than just cutting down their opinion or belief system. All right? Appeal to a supernatural strategy to make a difference uh, and have a response ready. And the second way to understand that verse uh, of, of having a regard for the good things in the sight of all men is, is how it's put in the message. Discover beauty in everyone. In other words, don't always try to be right, but try to see what's right in the relationship and, and right in the other person. Okay? You may not agree with everything, but there may be something in what they're saying or the way they're living. And you say, well, I can see where you're right here. And agree with that. Build bridges. Okay? And from there, and then and they understand that you hear them, then you can introduce some other ideas and you open up opportunity to influence the, the, the conversation, influence the relationship. You know, no, we realize that no one's as perfect as you are. Okay, you know, you just have to come to terms with that. You will. And sometimes we have to work, work to see the beauty in others. All right? Make the interaction more about the beauty in them rather than about you. All right? It's just a principle of life. Heidi Baker ministers in, in, in Africa and, you know, and heals all kinds of people and, and leading a revival. She says it's all about the one. She says just see the one person, this the one orphan, whoever she's dealing with. This is, her heart just on that one person. It's not about Heidi Baker. It's about that one person. Alright? And so, you are a missionary in Kalamazoo. And so when you encounter one individual, you need to see the beauty in them. You need to represent Christ to them. You need to be the kingdom of God to them. If, if, 
If it is possible, as much as depends on you, verse 18, live peaceably with all men. I think this is one of the most important verses in the Bible. And it's a verse every Christian can live. Alright? Every Christian can live this. It doesn't say be at peace, but it says as much as depends on you, live peaceably. Regardless of other people's evil, or, 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 or however they treat you, or however mean they are, or however much they're lying, or you think they're lying, or misrepresenting, it doesn't matter. Because as much as it depends on you, your part in the relationship is to be peaceable. Alright? And not to, res- to, to respond in a way that, that works toward reconciliation. You don't have to return the evil for evil. Uh, but you can represent, you can be peaceably toward them. But that requires a supernatural element in your life. It requires you to live dependent on the Holy Spirit and purposely representing Jesus more than representing yourself. All right? You need to choose to lay down self like right? Christ gave us the example and represent kingdom values. Again, apply this in our marriage. Apply this in our family. Apply this in, in church. And it becomes easier. Actually, as we apply this in our home life, as we apply this in our church life, what happens is that we build a community that strengthens us so that when we really do encounter people that are really antagonistic. I met a man. He was from Burma. He was here actually a few years, it was quite a few years ago. He was a pastor. And this is for the first five years they had their church. Their members, as they walked the church, people would throw stones at them. We're not talking about figurative stones. They knew they were Christians. They would pick up rocks and throw stones at them every Sunday that they went to church. And he praised God that they got a different meeting location that was not in that neighborhood. Alright? Wow! Wow! None of us have to face that. None of us. Do you think we're going to have like special credit in God's eyes when we stand before Him? Or do you think that we might actually have a higher level to answer to because He's given us such grace? We don't bring up the name of Christ because we don't want people to feel awkward. Bring up the name of Christ because you don't want them to feel the pains of hell eternally. It's worth the price. But as we live this way in community, it actually strengthens us so that when we really do encounter people that are different, we know that we have a community that supports us. Does that make sense? The more we have this functioning in this community, in our home community, the more we can live it out in the world. I've got to get through the rest of this. Verse 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Uh, Message says, Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you. I'll do the judging, God says. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. When people do you wrong, you have to trust the Father that He's going to make it right. Every time. So you can walk away when you're mistreated. 
and have and be in peace because you know that justice will will prevail in the end even though it seems like they got away with something my father is going to take care of it and i pray i pray mercy on them because i want mercy because i know that i've probably been even worse than them at times all right you can walk away or you can actually not just walk away but you can bless them you can think of a way to respond. Um, this whole thing about <clears throat> um, give place to wrath brings to mind two different scriptures, two different uh, ways to look at it. One is in Ephesians 4:26. Paul says to that church, says, "Do not be, do not be angry." It says, "Be angry and do not sin." In other words, the response of anger in and of itself is not a sin, but don't let it lead you into sin. And then he goes on, he says, Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So you have to resolve anger in yourself before sunset. And that may be simply just forgiving the person. You know, if you feel angry, just forgive them. Just say the name out loud. I forgive so and so for doing such and such. God, I just release that, and all the peace of God just comes. It may mean talking to them. But the more you can just resolve it, you know, you don't let it simmer. All right? And when you do let it simmer, you are literally making room in your life for the devil. And when you open a door for the devil, he comes in. <clears throat> and he, he takes control. And he'll jerk your emotions around as much as you let him. But if you simply live peaceably and forgive, you lock the door. That's locking the door. We all lock our doors at night. Right? That's locking the door. If there's offense, forgive. Don't let wrath and anger. And second way we can understand that is that you need to accept only God can avenge wrong. Alright? Um, uh, only God has the wisdom to execute genuine justice. We don't have the wisdom and we don't have the right because we are violators of justice. Alright? We are not able to implement justice because we are criminals in a spiritual sense, saved only by mercy. We cannot cast a stone because we are not without sin. Alright? So when someone sins, or you think they sin, or you just don't like them, don't pick up a stone. Alright? Step back and say, God, that, I give place to wrath. I give it into Your hands. You deal with it. I trust you. I have been wronged severely by other people. Severely. Personally. But I say, God, I trust you to write that. Now, this is what I would like to see happen. But I yield that and I say, I trust that you're going to take care of it better. You're going to defend me. And so I can be at peace with this person. And I can be at peace with God. It's humbling yourself like Jesus did. Romans 20 says, if your enemy is hungry, uh, uh, 12, verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. <clears throat> in the message, Scripture tells us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. If he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. You know what this says to me about what Scripture requires? That we have to be in close enough relationship with those who are considered enemies to know their needs. 
How are you? Who's your enemy? I asked you like that last week. Identify enemies in your life. Who are the enemies? And are you close enough in relationship to know their needs? Identify those needs and then meet those needs. Unconditionally. Not to twist them. And this whole thing about heaping coals, the whole idea is that you'll, 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 that your demonstration of good will cause their conscience to burn so they'll change. And if not, then they may encounter the fire of consequences from God. But that's not up to you. Your job is to bless them and to find their needs, to meet it, and to love them. This is how we overcome evil and not be overcome by evil. Amen. Good morning again. I have some announcements for you this morning. First of all, I just want to say welcome once again to everyone.